good to be with the people of God and in the presence of the Lord. I wouldn't be here if God was not here with us. If it was just a bunch of people gathering in a room, I'd go fishing. Amen. I got other things I could do, but I'm coming here like you are because we believe the Lord is here with us and he is meeting with us and he is imparting to us and he's blessing us and we in return are blessing him. Amen. And worship in the Lord. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. I'll remind you again as, as we're just getting settled next Sunday at 6 p.m. at our prayer meeting. We'll go from our prayer meeting into our vision meeting. And uh, it's an annual thing. To me, it's a very uh, much a highlight of the early part of the year for us. And so uh, that will be next Sunday evening during the prayer meeting. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of the Lord. We're doing a whole study. This is the eighth part. and We'll have at least two more after this. But this is the eighth part on the doctrine of Christ. Knowing the Lord, walking with the Lord. Jesus said, take my yoke and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Amen. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And by the Holy Ghost, through the word of God, we're studying Christ. Not just his teachings, but him. Son of God, the son of man, the healer, the sanctifier of his church. And one of the things he is, is the coming king. The soon and coming king. And it's amazing how the Lord gave these songs to Dee for this message today. That we're talking, talking about soon and very soon we're going to be like him. Soon and very soon we'll see him with unveiled face. We'll be with him. And what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I will rise on eagle's wings. Amen. We're talking about Christ coming as king. David said, thy throne, O God, is forever. In Psalm 45, and ever the scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. How, do we, how the earth longs for, how the church longs for, the reign of Christ, his kingdom. You know, part of the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, when his disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And part of that prayer says, you pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is coming a reign of Christ. This same Jesus Christ who suffered, and we talked about the Lord's main ministry. If you only had one, he had many ministries, but if he only had one ministry, the greatest of all was his, him coming to be the Savior of the world, to save us from our sins. Amen? We talked about that several weeks ago. But this same Jesus Christ who came and suffered and bore the sins of the world upon his own body and died on the cross, was crucified, buried, rose again the third day. That same Jesus who is currently interceding on behalf of his church at the right hand of the Father, because after he died and rose again, he ascended after 40 days on the earth, where he currently is at the right hand of the throne of the Father, and he is interceding on our behalf. That same Jesus is going to one day come again and reign. That Jesus Christ with the nail prints in his hands, in his feet, 
that Jesus Christ is coming back and he is going to reign as King of Kings and as Lord of Lords and he will reign forever and ever. So Christ was once offered, that's his first coming, to bear the sins of many. That's what Jesus did. That's why he came the first time. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time. I believe that's speaking of the rapture, but then that'll go into, into very shortly after the return of the Lord. Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time unto sin, without sin unto salvation. So we're talking specifically in our study of Christ. We're in this section the last few weeks on the, the ministry of Christ. Even as the Son of Man, Jesus said, came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for all. He came to minister. Jesus said, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Jesus is not sleeping. He's working. He's, he's working in our hearts and lives. He's working on the earth, reaching people and pulling them out of the fires and bringing them to salvation. He is working in the lives of those he's redeemed to make us more like Jesus. He is orchestrating uh, nations and, and events and places and people and kings. He's orchestrating things and lining them up the way he desires for them to be lined up. And one day he's coming again to reign as king. I want to read this. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 72. Just listen. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass, as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish, in abundance of peace, so long as the moon endureth. I believe that's talking about him coming again to reign as king. There are so many verses when I started studying about him coming as king. All these, so many prophets and prophecies spoke about his first coming. But there are also so many that speak about his second coming. There are two different comings, and he didn't reign as king the first time the way he's going to reign as king the second time. There is a coming that's already been, that's historical. There is a coming to come, okay, where he comes to reign as king of kings. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. It wasn't just a few months ago, I believe, I preached on, uh, well, right before Christmas, I preached a, a sermon on the second coming of the Lord. Not the rapture, but the second coming. This will be similar in some ways, but we're looking specifically at his kingdom, his reign as king, that he's going to come and reign as king. Prophesied all through the Bible, all through Daniel. I want to read two scriptures from Daniel. And in the days, this is Daniel who received... Uh, the, inter the dream and the interpretation of a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had had. The angel gave them the interpretation. Daniel gives glory to God and gives the interpretation to the king who was about to have everybody killed. If the dream wasn't interpreted, they weren't killed because Daniel interpreted it. And in the days, and he's speaking about these kingdoms that the king saw. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. It shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. A little bit later in Daniel chapter 7, And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom 
that all people and nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So we pick up real early on in our scriptures here in our sermon some characteristics of this kingdom. It's going to last forever, even forever and ever. It is going to be worldwide and global. It will be that he will reign over all nations and languages and people and kindreds of the earth. He will reign in justice and equity and judgment and righteousness and truth. He was prophesied and spoken of as being a king. He's going to come as king. Amen. It confused some of the, the Jews and uh, they didn't understand a lot of them that he was, there were two separate comings of their Messiah and their king. The, the apostles actually were confused about this too. The Lord answered it. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom in Israel? At his first coming, they asked him that. Are you gonna, they knew that their king was going to come. And they believed he was the king. Will you at this time set up your kingdom on the earth and restore Israel the way it's spoken of in the Bible? He said, it's not for you to know the, the times which, which the Father had set in his own power. Okay, just trust me is what he's saying and believe in me. The angel Gabriel came and spoke to Mary when she said, how, how am I going to have a son? Not, I don't, I've not known a man. The Gabriel said, speaking of this son, he shall be great. He should be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne. He's given him a throne. God made a covenant with David, Right. He didn't make that covenant with Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. He made the covenant with David. It's the Davidic covenant, okay? And in that covenant, he said, you're going, to have, you're going to have a descendant to reign on the throne over Israel forever. Now, how is that possible? David died and Solomon died. Now there's no more kings in Israel, right? How, how is that possible? It's possible through the king, Jesus Christ. He came through that that tribe. He came through as a descendant of David. Thou son of David, have mercy upon us. He was a son of David. God shall give him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. It is right, I guess you could say, it's right that Jesus should reign. When you really sit back and think about it, it's right that he should reign. Over this creation that he created, he spoke it into an existence. Over people that he redeemed, over people that he created, over a creation that he not only created, but the Bible says in Hebrews that he upholds it all by the word of his power. It's right that he should come and reign over this earth. Have wicked men and people reigning in governments and movements and militaries and ideologies reigning. It's right that Christ should come and reign. Amen? Reign over this earth. And reign over those that he has redeemed. It is one of the prerogatives, prerogatives of the Lord that he should reign. And he'll reign forever and ever. Now I want to say this. This is very, very important. This would be one of the main thoughts of this, this sermon this morning. Okay? We're talking our study on the doctrine of Christ. Today we're looking at him being king and looking at his kingdom. Jesus presently is... His kingdom is not presently, as we speak, established on the earth. His kingdom right now, today, while we're sitting in church, is not currently, 
presently established on the earth as it one day will be. It is not. There's no getting around it. And we're going to have to look at this and talk about this this morning. Think about it. In order for there to be the kingdom of Christ on the earth, the king must be present. If we're going to have the kingdom of God on the earth, we have to have the king to reign and rule. We say, well, Jesus is here. I've been talking about it all morning. His presence with us. The Lord's here with us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Yes, God is here, but he's not here manifest like he will be when he comes again and literally sets up a kingdom, a literal kingdom on the earth, in Jerusalem, and he'll reign, okay? So it's important that we know that. It's important that we differentiate between that and, and that in order for there to be the kingdom of Christ, the king must be present. I want, to, I want to read a scripture here from John. When Jesus was before Pilate, and he's having just him and, and Pilate. The Jews have already turned him over to Pilate, and Pilate's questioning him and finds no fault in him and so forth, and accusation was, you know, accusations that were brought against Jesus. And, and he says, are you, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate said, and Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants, that would have been disciples and what other, other followers he had at that time, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, that's an important word, now is my kingdom not from hence. He's simply saying at his first coming, he did not come to set up an earthly kingdom. At his first coming, he came to seek and save the lost. He came that men might be born again, that they might be forgiven, that they might be set free from the power of sin and become part of his body. Christ currently, right now today, is he does reign. He reigns in his church, and he reigns... Uh, in the hearts and lives of those that he has redeemed. He is reigning in that sense and very much our Lord and Savior. And he reigns. Jesus said this, that neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, when they're asking about Christ's coming. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And we're talking about at this time right now and from Jesus' day till now, and from Jesus' day until the second coming of the Lord, the kingdom of God is within you. It is a real kingdom, but it's not the kingdom that we're talking about, where he reigns over all nations and people and languages, over all the earth forever and ever, and has a throne and a scepter, which is a royal rod or staff that he rules with. He says, the, the kingdom of God is within you. And so he's not established his kingdom on this earth as he one day will. It's important to know that. He's reigning in his body. He, he has given uh, to us, to believers. If you're truly saved and every believer on this planet, he has given to us, I guess you would call it kingdom authority. Hasn't he? Doesn't the Bible say, in my name, you'll cast out devils? 
in my name you'll speak with new tongues. That name has to do with the king. If some servant on the behalf of, of one of the kings in times past, king of England or wherever, went in his name, they had the authority as though the king were there himself to enforce whatever was going to be forced, a decree whatever was being decreed. He has given us that. He, he says in his word, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, Satan, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's what Jesus said. There is a kingdom authority. He's even called us kings and priests unto our God. That still doesn't mean that his kingdom is set up on this earth in a literal sense, in a physical sense, with the king himself reigning on a literal throne over all nations and peoples and languages. Okay? So we, it's important, that, again, that we differentiate from that. His kingdom is not now established over all the earth. It will be. It will be. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A couple of months ago, we used this scripture. Behold, he cometh. Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not revelations of a bunch of different revelations that John had on the island of Patmos. The book is entitled The Revelation of Jesus Christ. He's coming. Behold, he cometh, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Even so, Lord, amen. He is coming. And when he comes, it won't be a secret. He'll, he'll come in every eye, just the people that know him and people that don't know him. Every eye is going to see him. Amen. He's coming. And guess what? That's when the kingdom will be established. That's when his kingdom will be established on this earth. It is absolutely going to come. You can count on it. You can believe in it. You can trust in it. You can hang your hat on it, so to speak, and believe he is coming again. And when he comes again, he will set up a reign and rule upon this earth as never been seen before. Okay? And it will be in peace and in justice and in equity and in righteousness and in truth. Amen? And the king himself will be reigning. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. Couldn't do it possibly do to Revelation 19. We couldn't possibly do a sermon on the kingdom of Christ, or Christ being the king or soon and coming king without turning to Revelation 19. Revelation chapter 19. Let's look at verse, we'll start in verse 11. Everything up to this point in the book of Revelation, everything we're currently living in, all the things we see happening, all of it's building to this. Everything's building to this. So what in the world's going on? This is what in the world's going on. Never seen people so ungodly. I've never seen such wickedness in high places. I've never seen such. In places of authority, I've never seen it where uh, entire governments and worlds and they've collaborated. To, to come together to perpetrate such control and power and wickedness. And you see it in sports. My thing is, I love to watch sports. I don't love to watch it as much anymore. Everything's being taken over by this one world mindset. It's, your, it's their way or you're wrong. 
or they cancel you out. You're their way or you're done, okay? Every, every area and every facet of life, the textbooks, they're rewriting history. American history is not what it was when I was taught in American history. Did they discover something new that I missed out on and can write new history books since we've gotten further away from the actual events that took place? It's, it's a lie. It's a scheme. And you say, what in the world's going on? This is what's going on. This is what's going on. Look at Revelation 19, verse 11. It's all building to this. And I saw heaven opened. Hallelujah. Heaven's going to open one day. It's not going to stay shut like it is right now, where it looks like it's shut. There's somebody going to step right out of that heaven and come right back here. Amen. And he's going to reign. It's that same Jesus that the disciples watch go up on the clouds. He's coming. He's coming, okay? This is the second coming of the Lord, and we'll be out of here before then. We'll be coming with him at this time. That's a sermon for another day. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. No other king's been called that, amen? Faithful and True. And in righteousness, righteousness does he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Isn't that interesting? There's even another name of the Lord that we know him as Good Shepherd and all these different things and Savior and Emmanuel. He has another name that no man knows. I guess at that time we'll know. But he himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven, I believe that's the saints of all ages, including us, who will be, have been raptured before this moment, in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the, fierce, the winepress of the fierce, fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. That's the kingdom we're waiting for. Amen. That kingdom is going to come. You couldn't stop it if you wanted to. That kingdom is coming and it's going to be just like we read. It's going to be just like we read through Isaiah and these different uh, prophecies that talk about his millennial reign and talk about his kingdom when he establishes it on this earth. It is not currently established. I'm going to spend some more time on this, and I'll tell you why. Because there is a belief. It's not new. It's not new at all. There's a belief in the church that all of the talk about the second coming of the Lord, that would include his delivering Israel at that time. That would include setting up a literal thousand-year reign on this literal earth and so forth. All of that is a figure of speech. It's really, it's not real. It's just kind of subject to interpretation. It's just a spiritual thing. It's not actual. It's not real. It's not a literal throne. It's not a literal scepter in his hand. It's not a literal king, Jesus. He's just reigning through the lives of his people. Well, he is reigning in our hearts and lives, and he has given us kingdom authority. But that's not what this Bible is teaching. Scriptures rightly divide it. How many of you know it's important to rightly divide Scripture? 
here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. How do you build a doctrine? That's how you build a doctrine. I don't take one scripture at it and go build my religion and call it Christianity and say, come follow me, I found something new. No, we turn to the Bible and we compare scripture to scripture to scripture to scripture to scripture. And you can't pick the parts you want to spiritualize and make figures of speech and which parts you want to take literally. I'll ask the question, was Jesus three days and nights in the grave or was he, oh, a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. Was he 3,000 days in the grave or was he three? Words have meanings, okay? The word, I think it's yom. It means 24 hours. That's what it means, okay? And so uh, my point is, Scripture rightly divided does not teach, this does not teach the following does not teach that Christ is reigning on this earth right now today. Do not teach the way he's going to when he sets up his kingdom. Scriptures rightly divided do not teach that Satan is currently bound and stopped or hindered or barred from any activity on this earth. Do you think he is? Some of us were talking about a mutual friend of ours that took his life yesterday. I think Satan addicted to drugs. I think Satan's bound right now, powerless. No, he's not. He's not, okay? The spirit of Antichrist is alive and well right now. Scriptures rightly divided do not teach that Satan is currently bound. Scripture, scripture rightly divided does not teach kingdom now theology does not teach dominion theology, does not teach amillennialism, does not teach replacement theology, and I don't even have time to get into all these. They're all pretty similar. They all go together. You'll find them in the same camp, the same circle. Replacement theology. The church has replaced Israel. God's done with them and thrown them away like a dish rat. We reign. The church reigns. We reign in Christ's stead right now. We're going to Christianize the earth and subdue it. We're going to bring everybody, and if they either, go, like, the, like the Muslims, convert to Islam or we'll chop your head off. Basically, the idea of Christianizing the world would be uh, we're, going to we're going to get godly Christian leaders from the president, the judges, the city councilmen, the mayors, the business owners, uh, local community schools. We're going to Christianize the world. Nothing to do with if the individuals under that authority are actually born again. They want to Christianize the world. We're going to rise and subdue the earth. That is not taught in the scripture. That is not taught in the scripture. Manifest sons of God. The NAR, New Apostolic Reformation. This is not what's taught in the Bible. The Bible does not teach that. And they have to throw out a lot of scriptures a lot of common sense and a lot of Holy Ghost discernment to arrive at that. That is not taught, and this whole sermon is not about that, but it's important. The scriptures rightly divided do not teach that we, you and I, right now as we sit here in 2023, are in the millennial reign of Christ. Only way you can make that happen is to throw out about half the Bible, okay? to try to figure we are and to throw out all of Revelation, to figure, spiritualize it all, and it's all figures of speech, and none of it's literal, and none of it's real. And it's just what I say it is. And then you can try to make it happen that way, and it still doesn't work because Satan's not bound. 
Evil men and seducers are, whack, are deceiving, waxing worse and worse, right? That's what's happening in our day, and that's what the Bible says is going to happen in our day. But they that know the Lord are still going to serve God. He still made us more than conquerors through him that loved us. He still made us soul winners. He still made us salt and light. He still said, I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Those two things are happening at the same time. It's getting darker and darker and darker, and the light's shining brighter and brighter and brighter. And one day, the light of the world's coming back. We just read it right there in Revelation 19. We're not in the millennial reign of Christ. Not only does Scripture not teach it, the Holy Ghost bearing witness in our hearts tells us that we're not in the millennium right now. I know that, that you've probably heard this, but I use that, that term. This is pe people that don't believe the biblical account of creation, for example. We'll use that scripture from 2 Peter for with the Lord, a thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years. So they'll take that and they can apply it, apply it wherever they choose. Jesus, was he three days and the nights in the, in the grave or was he 3,000 years? Who's to say? Uh, is there the millennium or really a thousand years or is it just some time when Christianity is real prominent? You know, and that's kind of the thought of, of the amillennialism, ah, being the prefix there, just negates everything that follows. Basically, no millennium. And their viewpoint is that there, it's just really a figure of speech. It's a time when Christianity starts dominating the world. Christianity does not dominate the world. Christ will dominate the world when he comes back. Christianity does not. People are being saved because God loves sinners, and he's still saving sinful people. He's not gonna, the Christianity is not going to all of a sudden become the most popular thing in the world. Jesus said, you'll be hated for all men by all men for my name's sake. Okay. So we're not currently in the millennium. Six times, and we don't even have time to study. If you want to study the millennium, go straight to uh, Revelation chapter 20. We just read from 19, okay? The next chapter talks about the millennial reign of Christ. Six times in that chapter, it uses the phrase a thousand years. And his saints shall reign with him a thousand years. And he shall reign a thousand years. A thousand years means what? A thousand years. That's what it means. That's what it means. It means a thousand years. Moses was 40 days and 40 nights on the, on the mount uh, with the Lord of Mount Sinai. He wasn't there 4,000 years. Christ, okay? A thousand years means a thousand years. We're not in the millennial reign of Christ. And our hope is established upon the unchanging word of God. And hit, that word teaches, this word teaches that his kingdom will come on earth. I'm not in it. And if this is in it, I don't know that it's all that great, so to speak. You understand that Christ is great. You understand what I mean? If this, is, if this is the kingdom of God and this is the millennium, why would people look forward to this? Inflation, crime, everything else. It's going to come. The Bible teaches it's going to come. And it will come when the king himself comes. And what are the circumstances? What is it going to be like? He's coming to deliver Israel. He's coming back to this earth on the white horse. And the saints of God on white horse, horses following him. We're just going to be riding with him. I mean, he's, he's doing everything. We're just riding behind. sitting in this wonderful hallelujah. We're just going to be following him back to this earth. He's got it under control. 
okay? He's coming back, and we're going to be riding with him. But he's coming back because Antichrist, even now there are many Antichrists, but there is the Antichrist, that man of sin, that son of perdition, that is spoken of in the Bible. He's coming, and he is coming, and uh, he is going to gather the nations of Israel, real people, real generals and captains and leaders and presidents and sergeants with real militaries and weapons. He's going to gather them together to destroy Israel. They're going to march on Israel. They're going to come against Jerusalem, Jerusalem specifically with the intent and looks like nothing is going to stop them from annihilating Jerusalem from the planet. But Jesus is coming back. What we just read in chapter 19. That will be the circumstances when he comes again. He's coming to crush Antichrist. He is coming to crush all that are aligned with Antichrist against Jerusalem. It is a specific battle. You know what it's called? The Battle of Armageddon, right? These are not figures of speech. There's a battle. There's a Valley of Megiddo where other famous battles in history and in the Bible have been fought right outside of Jerusalem. When Jesus comes back, there's a real place he's coming. Mount of Olives at Jerusalem. He's going to touch the sole of his foot on that mountain when he comes back. And the mountain's going to split in half. And there's a day known only to the Lord. It's not night or day. It's a one-day battle, the Battle of Armageddon, where he will destroy those armies that are coming against Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Israel rejected, 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 but he still loves them. And he still has a plan. And they'll look upon him whom they pierce, and they're going to wail as one wails for their firstborn child that's died, and a nation's going to be born in a day. Surviving Israel is going to realize what, what have we done, right? What, what have we done all these years? That was him. God forgive us, and he's going to save them. They're going to be saved. Surviving Israel, those that are still living at that time when all this takes place, and so that will be the circumstance and the situation, and that will come at the very end. In fact, that marks the end of the seven-year tribulation. It is seven years, not 7,000 years or some figure you want to make up. It's seven years on the Jewish calendar, and it has a beginning day, and it has a halfway point when Antichrist pulls the mask off, basically, and, and it and it has an ending point, and Jesus' return in Revelation 19, 11 through 16 is the ending point of it. And at the ending point of the tribulation, that marks the beginning point of the millennial reign of Christ. There's an end to the tribulation. At the same moment, there's a beginning of the millennial reign of Christ. And what, what was the catalyst? Well, it was Christ coming. It was Christ coming that put an end to the tribulation, and all the plans of Antichrist, and it's Christ coming, that the king coming to establish a reign upon this earth of a thousand years. And so that will be followed by, we're getting a quick crash course on the whole book of Revelation here, that will be followed by one last, the millennial reign, a thousand, that's what millennial stands for, the thousand year reign of Christ on this earth, before it's changed, before it's a new heaven and new earth, he'll reign on this earth. Okay, and he'll reign for a thousand years 
And that will be followed by Satan, will, who will have been bound in a pit, will be loosed after the thousand years, the Bible says, for a season. Again, Revelation 20, a season. How long that is, I don't know. But it's enough time to gather the rebels, those that aren't saved, that haven't sur surrendered their hearts and lives to Christ, to gather them together for one last attempt. And this is not even a battle. I mean, people call it the Battle of Gog and Magog, and that's biblically, you know, when we're studying, that's, that's what it's called. But it's really not even a battle. The Bible says, whom the Lord shall consume, he's going to send down fire from heaven and consume them all, and it's over. What will that be followed by? That will be followed by a new heaven, 2 Peter 3 talks about it, where the earth's refined. Even the molecules, the atoms are refined with fire. Okay, there'll be no more sea. There are uh, new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. The Bible says, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And that will bring, bring into what I, the Bible would call the eternity of eternities. It's an eternal state after that, where time will be no more. In other words, there's no more changing after that. It, that's where the Bible says at that point, let him that is, be, is just be just still. Let him that's unholy or wicked, you know, be wicked still. Let him that's holy be holy still. You know why? Because up until that point, people still, still could choose Christ or not. But after that, it's set. Not one person will move from this camp to that camp or that camp to that camp. And, and it's just forever and ever and ever. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. We just sang it. What a day that will be. So that's coming. And it's all based on our, our benefit, okay? It's based upon what Jesus did at his first coming. Because he came and died for sins of men and sinful people, to reconcile us unto God, we get to be part of that kingdom. It's not just angels and things like that, because every human being that's ever lived has sinned. It's redeemed men that get to live with the Lord because of what he did at his first coming. So he had a purpose for his first coming. He has a very clear purpose at his second coming. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation, right? took upon in the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And because he did all these things, it says he became obedient unto death. This is first coming. Even the death on the cross. Wherefore, okay, and because of that, because of what he did there, all the way death on the cross, God also hath highly exalted him. We think of death on the cross, that's the lowest of the low. The spat upon, his beard plucked out, that's the lowest of the low. Well, he's, that's what our sin deserved. And he bore it for us. Because of that, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. It's above Nebuchadnezzar's name. It's above the Pharaoh's names. It's above the Caesar's names. It's above who's ever pulling the strings right now on, our, on a planet and think they're laughing and they got the whole world in the palm of their hands. It's above all those names. It's above all those names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, that's those that I just mentioned and, and everybody else. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I've said it before, that's going to really be something when it says every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be saved. When you die, it's appointed to men once to die, but after that, the judgment. They die outside of Christ. They're going to spend eternity outside of Christ. They still will confess that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's going to come out of their mouth. Your Lord. Your Lord. Your Lord. They're going to confess it. It'll be too late at that point, but they will confess it. I want to lead, read this. Revelation 5, I'll go ahead and start. And I beheld and heard, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. They're just so many that that, that that is a figure of speech there. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Okay, because he was slain. The Lord puts it in light of that. Okay. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sat upon the throne. So he was slain, but he's on a throne now. Amen. He's coming back to reign on a throne on this earth and to set up his kingdom. And unto the lamb forever and ever. In Isaiah, at Christmas time, we always go to the scripture, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, right? Wonderful scripture, speaks of his first coming. His name shall be uh, called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and his kingdom to order and to establish it in just judgment and justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this that's the second coming first coming a child born a son is given then we get to the increase of his government there shall be no end and God the father is going to establish it upon the throne of David from henceforth even forever men talk Men in our day talk, y'all, about world peace. I don't think really people in their heart of hearts believe it. And I don't think, to honestly, I don't think most people want it. They say they do because they don't want the Prince of Peace. They want what they call peace. Not afraid of somebody killing them or attacking them. But they don't want the peace of God. They don't want the Prince of Peace. They don't want real peace. Men vainly talk. We've, we've seen over the years, not too many years ago, you know, League of Nations and, and NATO and the UN and these things still carrying on. They vainly talk about peace, an end of war, an end of strife, an end of all killing. They talk about the age of Aquarius and the utopia and the Shangri-La. And they talk about all these different things and it's vanity. It's vanity. It cannot be established and will not be established apart from Christ. It cannot be established and will not be established by sinful men, by sons of Adam. It will be established by the Son of God when he comes back again. It cannot be ushered in, instituted, sustained, and ruled over by wicked men. 
the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the righteous judge of all the earth, he's going to establish it when he comes again. That's when it will be established. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he alone can create such a kingdom and rule over it. Christ himself. Not good people in the name of Jesus. Christ himself is going to reign. And again, I, I don't believe that really, really in the heart of hearts that men desire peace, that, that kind of peace. They want to be free to indulge in their sin safely. Even what they think is safely. That's what they want. They don't want, even, even Israel said, we don't want this man, Jesus, to rule over us. That's why there's no peace. You've seen the bumper stickers. If you want peace, work for justice. There's neither without Christ. There's your perverted sense of justice, what you think is justice. And it's not just at all. We see the social justice movement. It's a joke. It's a joke. And it's in, it's in the church. It's made its way into the church. People repenting for sins they didn't even commit, and they need to repent for the sins they are committing. We don't want this man to rule over us, but it, I can tell you the kingdom's not coming until the king comes. But you can be assured when he comes, his kingdom's coming with him. He's going to establish it. But we can do it. The World Council of Churches can do it. You think? We'll invent something called Chrislam. It's a blend between Christianity and Islam. We'll get some big wigs to sign on to it in the church world and say it's a great thing. It's nothing. It's a joke. We can do it. Social justice can do it. We can do nothing. It's not going to come before Christ comes. It's in it. This kingdom is not going to come apart from Christ himself reigning. He will order and establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth, even forever. Just real, real quickly, I want to bring this to a close. Anybody that is currently, remember Dave Hunt used to say that, anybody that is currently believing and looking for the king, the world peace, the world leader, to come on the scene as a Christian, and I'm, or, or even people that aren't Christians that are looking for that, that man. You know, there's got to be somebody that can give us world peace. We're looking for that person. Anybody that's looking for that and ushers that in prior to when the Bible says that's going to happen, they'll be ushering in Antichrist. They'll be ushering in Antichrist because he's the only other one that's going to be even similar. Antichrist. He's going to set up during the tribulation period, a literal tribulation, seven years, a time of Jacob's trouble, by the way, and where, where all this is taking place. It'll be global, but it's specifically aimed at bringing Israel to repentance. Antichrist will come. He will be a man, a human being like you and me, totally given over to Satan. There's other demon-possessed people. They were in Jesus' day. They're on our day. This individual man will be totally given over to Satan. There will be an unholy trinity of Satan, the Antichrist or the beast, 
and the false prophet, which would be a, a false Holy Ghost doing miracles and signs and wonders. Okay, all that's very real. That's going to take place. But Antichrist will come, and he will be a world ruler such as this world has never seen. Antichrist will unite politics and religion like never before. We thought the popes were something in years past. This will be in a global state. This will be everybody, okay, across the whole world. And he will seemingly, seemingly be a man of peace in a time of peace. Seemingly be a victory. But the Lord Jesus Christ is going to bring him and his followers and his kingdom to a very sudden destruction when he comes back on that white horse. It's over. It's over. It will be unlike any other kingdom ever before on this planet. But it will be short-lived and it will be destroyed. I want to read a couple of more verses before I close. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. 2 Thessalonians 1. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. This is not the rapture. This is the second coming. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. This is the second coming. That's a picture. It's nothing like the rapture. That's another thing. Don't get those confused. The millennialists would say there's no real rapture. It's, it's just something made up by weak Christians. They just want to escape. You better believe I want to escape. I do want to escape. But if he wants me to live here and die by sword, I'll live here and die by sword. Either way, that's still my blessed hope. Amen. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and they which are alive and remain will be caught up. Amen. But that's not the rapture, what we just read. That is the second coming. So I'm going to read a little more. I mentioned Antichrist, this specific Antichrist who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. He's going to lift himself up in such a way, it says, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God. So there'll be a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. It's really going to be there at some point during the tribulation, showing himself that he is God. Now, we've already read it. We know he's not God. He's Antichrist. But he is going to set himself up in the temple and have false signs and wonders done by the false prophet around him and empowered by Satan himself and going to show himself that he is God and demand to be worshipped as God. And whoever doesn't worship him or take the number or his name in their forehead or the right hand can't buy or sell and is killed. But if you do take it, you're damned and there's no repentance from that. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that, Lord. That's it. And then shall that wicked be revealed. That's Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. That's at his second coming. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So anything other. If you're looking for a world, the world ruler, 
Even if you call this individual Christ or the Messiah, the Savior of the world, if you're looking for any individual that doesn't come when the Bible says, in the circumstances that the Bible says, where the Bible says, with the name that the Bible says he's going to have, then you're looking for a false leader. His name is faithful and true. His name's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming on a white horse. He's the lamb that was slain that's coming back, that's been given dominion forever and ever. He's coming at the end of the tribulation, not halfway through, not before it, not tomorrow. He's coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation. You know, it, you can literally mark to the day. And I know I'm going, getting a little long. I apologize. But you can literally mark the day of the second coming. Once the rapture takes place, I say this, once the tribulation starts, it's seven years. I forgot exactly how many days. It says the, half, the halfway point when he sets himself up in the temple and demands to be worshipped, the Antichrist, during the tribulation. Click, click, click. The clock starts running. Three and a half years to the day, Jesus will come back and set up his kingdom. So what does that mean to you and me as we bring this to a close? It, it means that we literally could be seven years from the kingdom of Christ. A rapture could take place while I'm preaching, right? Before church is over, could take place. And I don't, I've always said, I don't know if it's that second or a few days later, how long, the Lord knows. But right on the heels of that, we'll start the tribulation period. Once that starts, then you're looking at seven years till the Lord comes back. We could, in this room, could be sitting here seven years from the millennial reign of Christ. It's not just some far off, long distance thing that one day will happen way down the road somewhere. It's going to happen, but we could be seven years from it. It, it happened before they build the new Mississippi River Bridge, right? We, we, we could be close to that. Very close to that. I want to read a couple of scriptures, and D, you can come on up. Which in his times, Jesus, shall show. The Lord's going to show. We're talking about Antichrist, people being deceived, people believing a lie, and so forth. In, in his time, he will show who is the blessed and only potentate. What does that potentate mean? It means ruler, supreme authority. He's going to show. Who's the supreme authority? The king of kings and lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. The Lord's going to show. The Lord's going to show. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, listen, behold, the tabernacle, that means the dwelling place of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Y'all stand with me this morning. We have a Christ, the same one who suffered and died for the sins of the world. And because of what he did at the first, his first coming, he makes men who trust in him and believe him worthy to be part of that second kingdom, that kingdom that he's coming, his kingdom to reign 
on this earth and to ride with him as he comes back. These, these altars are open. The Lord wants us to live with a hope. He wants us to live with a joy. He wants us to live with an expectation. This is not mythology. If it is, then throw it all away. The cross is mythology. Salvation is mythology. The new birth, it's all heaven. It's all a big joke. Throw it all away. If it's real, then it's all real. And he's coming back, and we're going to be with him, and he's going to set up a kingdom on this earth. He wants us to worship him. He wants us to look with joyful expectation. If your eyes are fixed like a laser on things on this earth, we need to get them up and look upon Jesus. This is going to pass away. It's going to pass away. But he that does the will of God abides forever. The altars are open. Wherefore, closing with this scripture, wherefore we as believers receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. What are we receiving? A kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Father, we bless you this morning, God. We thank you that you are not only the King of kings and Lord of lords, you're our king and you're a soon and coming king and you're, you're going to establish your kingdom and it will be glorious. And I thank you that we get to be part of it, Lord. Help us to live for you now. The closer we draw to you now, the more we love you now, the more we're going to love your coming. We're going to, the more we're going to love when your kingdom comes. We bless you and we praise you and we worship you. Y'all come and worship the Lord at these altars this morning. <laughs>